Welcome back to the Cape Cod Pod. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Live with me is Peter Flaherty, my co-host, Pete. We are reaching the end of the Cape Cod League season. Uh, regular season obviously already happened. We've gone through two rounds of playoffs now. We have a championship game, which has been set. Uh, Orleans defeated Yarmouth Dennis uh, in the uh, East you know, championship or semifinal, if you want to call it that. Uh, out in the West, it was born over Hyannis uh, for a second straight year, but for a third consecutive season, Bourne has won the East, uh, excuse me, the West Division title. Uh, <laughs> had to trip over my directions there, you know, East, West, right, left. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting. I think I want to start off the conversation here now with just Bourne's success over the last three years, uh, now spanning two managers. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they've, they've had Landers now for consecutive years, won the championship last year. They have an opportunity to go and defend their title. It, I, you know, it's been a great program. They've had a lot of good players that have come through over the last three years, um, you know, consistently get talent, do a really good job, I think, of managing their pitching throughout the season and managing their bullpen, maybe as much as anybody. Um, so... I'm really sort of interested to hear your thoughts on it. You know, you've uh, been close, been down there on the Cape more than I have, um, just historically. So you have some insight here. So I'm sort of interested to hear your perspective on Bourne and sort of what they've done and built because year after year, you know, to have three consecutive years of success like this, I think is pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head first. I think a lot of credit can be given out to to coach Landers and also the degree of difficulty of doing this is pretty darn high. And I know that, you know, some people who are listening might kind of discount it for being summer ball. There are only 44 games. Um, you know, unless you really have a, a tough season, you're going to make the playoffs, but nonetheless, getting to the point that they have, which is the championship in each of the last three seasons is incredibly impressive. And I think, both in finding success during the regular season and then also especially in the playoffs when it really matters, um, it all comes down to continuity. And I think that what they've done in the last three years especially is they've had a core of guys who, once they arrive on the Cape, I mean, they're there until the final pitch. This year and looking at it, it's kind of a big three in each of the last three years, at least offensively. This year you have Eric Bender. Bryce Eblen and Jonathan Vastein, who have been their anchors. And then looking at last year's team, it was the ever-talented Matt Shaw, Evan Slight, Chris Brito, and then Matt Horvath um, after he was done at UNC came right away. And then going back to 21, when the start of this run began, it was Nap it was the Louisville duo of Christian Napchik and Dalton Rushing, um, as well as Tanner Schobel and then Max Anderson from um, Nebraska and, and Joe Lampy from Arizona State. Uh, you kind of look at Bourne's lineup, um, I think from the end of June onward, uh, that's going to be their team for the, excuse me, for, for really the entirety of the season. And while they might, you know, this year they, they came in fourth in a loaded West division, which I mean, fourth place um, in that division really is not uh, too far off, even from the, the point leading Katua Ketaliers, but um, they, they do a great job of, 
of, as you said, managing innings and kind of working around innings limits and, and kind of getting the most out of, out of their arms. So I think it all goes back to buy-in and continuity. And the way that this team is built is exactly how they're performing. It's to, it's to um, be in it for the long run. And, and coach Landers does a really good job of, of getting these guys bought in and excited about the idea of winning a Cape league championship and playing for the town of Bourne. Um, and a lot of other factors. So they've, they've got it all going on when, whether or not they win the championship again, um, it's been a pretty exciting time uh, right by the bridge. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, you make a good point in terms of the continuity in their lineup. Uh, That's rare in this day and age. They do seem to find guys that, that buy in uh, for the entirety of the summer. And I can remember, you know, having a conversation with a scout who does a lot of Cape Cod league coverage, um, you know, maybe about a month back, three weeks back. And he had picked out Bourne as the team that he felt was most likely to, you know, potentially repeat uh, or, you know, obviously win the title this year. And it, it wasn't a matter of record. Uh, it was a matter of personnel, but also just the spirit of the team. Uh, and I know that sounds kind of corny, but I think it really matters. And I think when you and I talk about summer ball and what's successful, and we've talked about it on the show, it, it, there is a, an element of buying in, and a lot of it has to do with having fun and enjoying your time, um, not only in the town and the Cape Cod League experience, but but also playing for those, you know, for your manager and coaches, et cetera. And, you know, they have a really good staff there, obviously, in Bourne. Um, you know, Jared Saltwamaki, a former big leaguer and, you know, World Series champion, um, if I'm not mistaken, right, uh, you know, is, is part of that staff. Um, so it's, you know, I think – they have a good environment. It's definitely um, a place that that draws, and you can tell that there is a contingent that's there every year in terms of you know born locals. Um, and born also, I think you know to, to its credit, is maybe a little bit less transient than some other places in the Cape too, um, where there's a lot of people who live there year round. Um, you know, so I think that's all a big part of it. It's also pretty easy to probably get over there from. <laughs> just over the bridge because you can literally see the other side from the park as you're pulling out. Um, so you draw some of those local people as well. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's just a good organization from top to bottom. And, and obviously, you know, Scotland has done a great job of making it fun. And I would say that's something that, you know, he's certainly, you know, drawn from the program in Brewster and what Jamie's done, who's a guy who's had, you know, tremendous success with Brewster over the last, you know, four to five, six seasons. Um, so, yeah, I think it just uh, it just sort of speaks to that that mentality and that focus. And it's not like these guys aren't developing either. It's not like they're just there having a party. You know, they're obviously they're playing baseball, playing good ball, improving throughout the summer and uh, having a good time doing it. So credit to Bourne. And I, I thought it was important to sort of shot them out here at the beginning of the, uh, of the show because they have just experienced a t- tremendous amount of success over the last, you know, three seasons. So good for them. Um, on the other side, it's been a little different. I think everybody respects Kelly Nicholson. He's one of the good guys in all of baseball, but definitely the Cape Cod league. Um, I always enjoy my time talking to Kelly and I've run into him, you know, uh, on both coasts, actually <laughs> funny as it may be. Um, but it's been a while. It's been 10 years since they've been in the championship game, since they've, they've come out of the East. Um, they haven't won the Cape Cod League title since 2005. Um, so, you know, we're going on 19 seasons now. They finished second. They had 
their best year in, in quite a while. And, you know, I think it speaks volumes to um, the continuity that, te- that that Kelly built this year. I know it was something that when I chatted with him a little bit last offseason, it was something he was looking at of not having a roster that changed over so much. And, um, you know, I think they did a good job of bringing a lot of guys that fit a lot of different roles. And he did a really good job of executing uh, with those players this year. And, you know, they were right on. Yarmouth Dennis's tails and were hot in the second half of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Finished only a point behind YD, um, swept them in you know the East uh, playoff final or the semifinal, and here they are, and they're and they're hosting too. So uh, if this goes three games, goes the full slate, they're going to be hosting a home game at uh, at Lady Eldridge. So really, really interesting. Um, I, I love seeing the success for this particular team. And uh, they got their guy as this born going tonight uh, in the opening uh, game of the final at Eldridge in Grayson Carter of Vanderbilt versus Bryce Cunningham of Vanderbilt. So two Vandy boys going toe to toe in the first game of the final. Yeah, it'll it'll be a fun matchup. Uh, you hit the nail on the head right away with with Coach Nicholson. I haven't I haven't met anyone in the baseball world that has said a single bat that has had a single bad thing to say or negative thing to say about coach Nicholson. Um, He's, he's an 80 grade person and it's, I know that we're unbiased, but I'm, I'm really happy to, to see him return to the championship for the first time. And as you said, 10 years and is two wins away from his first title and in 18 seasons. And it's hard to believe because Orleans is always super, super competitive. They have great teams. They've got great prospects um, but come playoff, it's just come playoff time. It's just such a, it's such a jump ball. Um, and your season can end in 48 hours and there's such a suddenness to it, but, um, really kudos to coach and, and skip. And, um, they, this year, I think again, kind of going back to that initial point, continuity is key. Uh, they've had their core of guys that have really led the way as well with Matt Hallbach from UC San Diego third baseman who was on the hot sheet last week. He, he finished the season hitting a, an incredibly impressive 364 with five doubles, a few home runs, um, respectable K to walk. And then kind of this year's fan favorite, I think it Joe Oyama. Uh, he is an absolute dynamo. He plays a lot bigger than his five foot eight, five foot nine frame might suggest he finished the season hitting 360 was an MVP finalist with a, a surprising showing of, of impact and power. He hit 11 doubles, six triples, five home runs, almost an even K to walk, and then he swiped six bases as well. Um, and he had kind of the knack for making an exciting play over at second. And then Jack Penny, local Massachusetts product from Notre Dame, was there for really the entire season with 42 games, hit 275, was an all-star, um, has really done well on the left side of the infield for the Firebirds. And then Eddie McAletty from George Washington uh, kind of rounds out that that core group hitting 274 with nine doubles and a pair of home runs. And then tonight, as you mentioned, it's a Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt matchup with Bryce Cunningham from Bourne and, and Grayson Carter uh, from for Orleans. And Carter this year, he started a couple times, uh, so far has not is is yet to allow an earned run 14 strikeouts it's a i mean the arm talent is outstanding with with carter he'll be 
97 to 99, maybe even touching 100 at times. Uh, command has been a little bit of a bugaboo for him. Um, but if he's around the zone and throwing quality strikes, he is as tough an arm to hit as anyone on the Cape. And then with Cunningham, he'll be more one to four with the fastball, 91 to 94, with a little bit of carry through the zone. Uh, slider's pretty average. He locates his fastball well to, to each side of the plate. So a fun matchup on tap. I think that the X factor in this series um, is going to be each team's bullpen. And it, I, it really who they have avail, available because at this point in the summer, we're, we're two months, two plus months removed from opening day. Um, anyone that you have is, is really, I think at this point, kind of gassed. And then you also you've played so many games and in so few days there's there's been really no time for rest so who you have available is such a key and orleans is going to have sean mats the reliever of the year um available out of their bullpen he is not allowed to run in 21 and two-thirds innings 26 k's to three walks only 11 hits allowed um if you can get him the ball with the lead and the you know at this point in the championship series if you can get the ball to him with a lead after seven I mean, I think you got to feel really good in that Orleans dugout. And as you mentioned, they've got home field advantage. Um, so they've got a chance to to really – they might be pushing 5,000 people at Eldridge Park tonight after 4,500 a couple nights ago in game two against YD. So uh, yeah. they've <laughs> it's, it's going to be a really, really fun championship series between two excellent and extremely deserving teams. And I think on the other side for Bourne um, – that lineup, especially in the last few days, has really reared its head and hit its stride. Um, it is there's no easy out up and down that order. Jo- I think Josh Kuroda Grower really hitting his stride come playoff time has paid huge dividends. And then you kind of surround him with Jonathan Vastine, Derek Bender, Garrett Michelle, Sam Peterson again has been excellent in the playoffs. Cameron Foster, even um, who's the Six five third baseman from Liberty. He's been DHing. Um, everyone is swinging it well, and so Orleans is going to have their hands full, and and Bourne will have their hands full in the box with the arms that they're going to see. So it's it'll be an outstanding series, I think, and hopefully it goes three games. I think that would be really cool. I think because in the Cape League, game three is basically game seven. I think it'd be cool to see a game seven in a championship. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's what we all want, you know, um, for sure. Absolutely. Without without a doubt. Um, now I'm just actually looking and double checking on something right now, but um, was looking while you were you were speaking and uh, it's wild. There's eight players that were in the lineup the other night for um, Orleans who have played, I think, a minimum of 33 to a maximum of 47 games this season eight of the 10 players that featured position players that that speaks uh to a lot of that that continuity and looking at Bourne, i think it's i think it's five to to six have 30 plus games um in terms of you know games played and and featured for that team so uh that sort of speaks to it there's guys like cameron foster who just under 30 um you know and a handful of other guys who you know joined recently um, you know, Bender was hurt for a little bit. He's at 37. Kendall Diggs joined a little late. He's at 28 and he's obviously been a pretty good player for them. Um, and then Contreras, I think it's the one guy that's kind of outside of that like 30 threshold. So 
kind of speaking to the continuity of these two teams and how much value there is in this really uncertain setup and time um, in summer ball where your roster just changes so much and there's little you can do about it. Guys get injured, guys going to the transfer portal, et cetera. Um, you know, Team USA. Sometimes you get a guy that you think is a sleeper, and <laughs> by the time uh, May rolls around, he's not so much any longer, and he's on that USA watch list and and gets an invite. So, um, you know, just kudos to them and, and all that uh, they've been able to do to put together these two teams that have had that that sort of continuity uh, throughout this season. Now, I want to switch it up a little bit here, <clears throat> but first we're going to take a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and we are back. Peter, um, we've talked about the championship game. We've covered the playoffs. I don't think we need to go into detail here. Let's uh, let's do some postseason awards. Oh, I like it. All of them. We're going to have we're going to have full first and second teams that we'll put out um, you know, around the same time we're doing like Cape League superlatives and of course our top 50 players in the Cape Cod League rankings. Uh, which is something that we do historically every year. Those will be coming over the next couple of weeks. Got to plan that out with uh, <laughs> Mr. Flaherty actually here, but let's just keep it. Let's keep it light, man. Let's talk uh, Cape League MVP. I called it Cy Cod for uh, the top pitcher on the Cape Cod League, uh, and uh, we'll say two superlatives here and biggest breakout, and then a 2024 draft sleeper, which might be the same person. That's okay if we do that. Uh, but MVP pick, Pete, I'm going to put it over to you, man. You tell me what I, you're thinking. I think it's going to be the same for both of us. I was going to say, I think that we're going to have the same MVP. Uh, mine is is Travis Bazana, uh, infielder from Oregon State who played for Falmouth this summer. Hit 375 with six doubles, six home runs, 31 RBIs, even K to walk ratio and 14 stolen bases in 33 games. Um, I'm going to be honest. I... I don't want to say never, but I, I I really haven't seen a player dominate the Cape League like Travis Bazana did um, really since Nick Gonzalez in 2019 and then Alec Bohm in 2017. Uh, he made some of the 
the highest level of play. He made he made it look really really easy all summer on both sides of the baseball. Um, at the plate, he is super super explosive. There's legit physicality in his frame, elite bat speed. The approach is off the charts. Um, he is a walking barrel, and he and he hits for impact. He sprays line drives all fields, um, and it's gap to gap power. I mean, I think it's it's one one type upside in 2024, and especially if he can play a little shortstop for Oregon State. I know it's up in the air as to where he'll fit in for the Beavers, but um, I, I think that it's a no brainer for Bazana to win this to win our MVP award. Yeah, I uh, and I believe he won the Cape Cod League MVP award too. So uh, we're just echoing the sentiments that have already been put out there. But yeah, I think we anticipated this. We we had kind of called this <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Not that we were going out in like a super steep ledge here. I mean, like I, I think if you had pulled a hundred people that knew that were in the know, you would have gotten like at least eighty responses, probably saying Bazana was at least if not one two or three so yeah it's not like we're going on in a tremendous ledge here by saying that early in the year but yeah i mean i agree i think that he was one of the best cape cod league players i've seen over the last five to six years and um you know i think that if you spoke with him the funniest thing is he would have been like oh, i could have hit for more power could have done more uh which kind of speaks to the the type of competitor he is um but yeah, the hit tool is just super advanced. The plate discipline and the approach is great. Um, there is power there. I think he'll grow into more power as he continues to mature and work at it. Um, just the barrel control is super impressive. And he's fast. He's an excellent base runner. He's instinctive. You know, they had him playing in the outfield, which is something he's like, I don't think really ever done. Um, they had him playing at second base, um, which is his natural position. And, you know, I think, the biggest question is probably the arm and the arm slot, but like, I don't know. We've seen this guy throw 93 before. So I, you know, I think that it's in there. It's just a matter of making some tweaks and, and adjustments and knowing him and the things that he's already done uh, just in his amateur career here in the States. I think that can, uh, it, that can happen. So yeah, for me, he's one of the more exciting uh Cape draft prospects we've seen in, in quite a while, maybe since Spencer Torkelson. Um, just because I don't think Nick Gonzalez ever had the sort of one-one upside. Some of that is a product of the draft that he was in. <laughs> Bazana's in a in a in a weaker draft class, um, but still, you know, I think that that it's like, yeah, like this guy could be the guy, you know. And we saw that with Torque a little bit, but he was never here for an extended stay uh, and able to win an award like this the way Bazana was. So, just from a historical perspective, we'll put that out there. Um, now for Cy Cod. Uh, Peter, I'm just going to say, I'm going to put out Cam Hill there. He performed with throughout the summer. I think that, you know, he was really strong over the opening few weeks of the season. And I think you could probably make a case that that carried him for a big chunk of it. Um, but I don't think that that was everything. Um, showed three pitches. He competed. Uh, he's definitely an interesting, projectable pitching prospect, just a big, tall, athletic lefty um, with three pitches. But I think there's probably a case for some other guys here as well. So what do you think? Uh, are you still sticking with Hill? Do you have another name you throw out there or maybe even some other suggestions that you think could be in the mix here? Yeah, I think it's really hard to not give at least my personal side cod to Cam Hill of the Katua Kettleers. But um, 
again, as, as you mentioned, he's six, six athletic lefty um, moves well on the mound uh, this year. He 1.09 ERA 45 Ks to 16 walks and 33 innings. It's three pitches right now. The split change I think is probably the best of, of the three. I think it grades out as plus it, it really kills spin on it. Well, kind of falls off about 58, really two feet from the plate, one and a half feet from the plate. Um, slider command is, is better than what I thought it was going to be coming in. Um, the shape isn't outstanding. I say it's probably a, an average to maybe a tick above pitch. There are a couple that he'll throw, especially to lefties, um, that flash plus, but I think the slider command, um, is above average. And then the fastball, it, he really will pitch with it. I'd say 91 to 93 or so. Um, and then he'll, he'll frequently touch 94 and top out at 95 or 96. And, um, it plays well up in the zone. It's explosive. It, it, it jumps out of the hand. And I think that the key for him in establishing his draft stock and maybe establishing himself as a potential top three to four or so round pick is going to be putting together a full season in Georgia Tech's weekend rotation, not only a full season in just, you know, pitching in the rotation, but pitching well. And I know that's easier said than done in, at Georgia Tech and in today's college game with metal bats and and how many, how how much the ball flies in each yard. But um, Cam Hill gets my Cod award, but there are two honorable mentions and they're actually both on Orleans. Um, honestly, one is Sean Matson. I know he's a reliever, but again, it's, he didn't allow a run in, in nearly 22 innings pitched 26 Ks to three. Like he's been untouchable, um, for the entire summer and he's been here the entire summer. Um, so I, I think credit goes to him. And then also Derek Clark, who just left right before the playoffs start right before the playoffs started um, left-handed pitcher small division two school in Michigan Northwood. He's since transferred to West Virginia um, pitch ability specialist, smaller lefty, but really competes, throws strikes um, and was a key reason as to why Orleans, you know, even though he hasn't been here for the playoffs is a key reason as to why Orleans finished the season so strong and, and had such a good season. Um, he anchored that rotation and, and really anchored the bullpen for the entire year. Uh, it was five and one record, 1.8 ERA, 40 or excuse me, 38 Ks to just 10 walks and 40 innings. Um, and you knew when Derek Clark was getting the ball, he actually made two starts. Um, or I think it was, yeah, it was two or three start, three starts. He went at least six innings um, in all three through seven innings and in two of them, which is extremely rare narrative, extremely rare nowadays. Um, and you knew even out of the bullpen we, when he was getting the ball that in the middle he'd give you two to four really good quality innings. So those two guys would be um, my other side cod um, co-winners, I guess, or I would say runner-ups. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I think uh, those are both uh, very good options. I think another Orleans Firebird who – you know, was only here for six starts. He left uh, before the All-Star game and, and uh, right-handed pitcher out of uh, Grand Canyon University out there in Arizona and Daniel Levita, uh, kind of a low-slot right-hander, kind of like the right-handed version of Cooper Chirpy in some ways. Um, 
and Jerby was a commit to uh, Orleans as well. It just didn't happen to play there that summer. But um, I thought he was really good too, you know, just in terms of um, one of the better pitchers that I saw this summer. Uh, didn't get as much swing and miss as, as Cam Hill did, or Clark for that matter, but um, or maybe about the same probably from a from a, uh, a, a strikeout per inning perspective as as uh, Clark actually. But still, you know, it was really impressive. I thought Tristan Smith um, from Clemson and Bourne was really impressive. He was uh, pitched at the the Worcester Classic or whatever it is, the Polar Park Classic out here in uh, in Worcester. Um, I thought he was really good, uh, really interesting fastball shape, good changeup, could, you know, uh, throw a breaking ball for a strike at least. <laughs> kind of an interesting player there. Um, he was another guy that uh, I think maybe deserves honorable mention is, you know, over 23 innings and however many, I think maybe six or seven appearances. Um, you know, he was 3-0 and with a 1.57, had 33 strikeouts to 10 walks over 23 innings and is a legitimate draft prospect as well. It was a highly touted recruit uh, going into Clemson uh, as an, as a high school player. So kind of interesting there. Now for for breakout player of the year, that's the next two we're going to do here is sort of breakout and draft sleeper. I'm going to keep it a little bit more mainstream with my first breakout here. I'm going to go with, and I think there's two, um, both guys that may have played themselves into the first round. Uh, one is Cam Smith. I think Cam Smith of Florida State and Hyannis uh, – was probably the second best prospect after Travis Benzana on the Cape this summer. Um, you know, hit 375, six home runs, had six doubles, pair of uh, triples as well. Um, you know, 28 strikeouts to 25 walks when I initially, well, excuse me, uh, 18 strikeouts to 18 walks. Uh, got, no, no, I am totally messed up here. 24 strikeouts to 13 walks. I'm correct that time. Uh, I'm looking at the stupid statistic board and it's not gridded out. So, I'm getting confused with Oyama and Bazana. <laughs> but either way, um, I felt like early on over the first couple of weeks, Smith struggled. There was swing and miss there. And that started to really dissipate as the season wore on. I think he made three of our last four or four of our last five um, Cape Cod League hot sheets. Um, was one of the top performing hitters all summer. There's a ton of power there. There's high-end exit velocities. And I think he showed more field to hit than I had expected as well. Really impressive athlete. I think he's, you know, six, four or six foot five. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tall sort of almost like a, a, a tight end type of a build. Um, and I think there's even maybe more strength that he could add in the coming years without, you know, the body going the wrong way. So he's a really interesting pro prospect. I have him behind Benzana, but I think for a breakout of the summer, I think I have to go with Cam Smith is he was a guy that, while not off my radar, I had lower expectations for, especially with my early looks. Yeah, I think one. This is a little precursor to the to the top of our top fifty with Bazana and Smith one and two because I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think Smith is safely now. I would say a first rounder, especially in in this year's draft class, with a top half of the first round type ceiling. You mentioned it's a pro body at six three two twenty plus throwing arm at third. Um, I think what really blew me away again, as, as you hit on was that he blossomed and came into his own on the Cape after I'd say an up and down year at Florida state, he really showed flashes at times, but was unable to, to, to string together um, good series at a time. But he, he had a great summer and was here the whole way played, played in 49, played in all 49 of um, Hyannis's games was an all-star 
Um, 12 doubles, six home runs. I think the approach uh, really made positive strides, especially with two strikes, working with hitting coach Tino Martinez. Um, he kind of widened his base, went no stride, and just really let his hands and natural strength work and kind of realized, hey, I don't really need to sell out that much to impact the baseball and drive it. Um, and it and, and it paid off for him. The strikeouts went way down. The power numbers were were way up. Um, and he's he's well on his way, I think, to um, being on the short list for a potential ACC player of the year. But my breakout candidate um, to, I, I think, to have a different guy than you, I'm going to go with Cole Mathis from nice. College of Charleston and Katuit, uh two-way guy. Hit 318 this summer with 10 doubles, 11 home runs. Only one of two players hit double-digit home runs this year um, and was second in the league with 42 RBIs. And he had a great year at College of Charleston. I think him flying under the radar was a byproduct of of being from a mid-major school, not many people getting eyes on him, seeing him play. Um, but he I, blew me away time and time again. I know you were super impressed with him. Um, it is big time bat speed um, at the plate. The barrel just explodes through the zone. Um, you know, it's easy backspin to all fields. I think his power comfortably grades out as a 60 right now. Um, and I, I think also on the mound, he was he was excellent. 23 Ks to just five walks in 20 innings, up to 96. I think the breaking ball, the curveball that he throws. Um, is above average and flash plus. I think that whoever drafts him, I think will at least try him out of the bullpen to start. I think it, they're gonna they're gonna want to use an arm talent like that. And then again, going back to the to the offensive profile and the overall profile, there might be it, it might not sound as enticing given that he might be a right right first baseman um, at the next level. But the arm, if a team wants to, it would absolutely play over at third base. Um, and be a plus arm, um, just given his arm strength. And then I think obviously the power hit combination is his, is his carrying, uh, is the carrying duo for Mathis. And I think it's, I think this summer he established himself as kind of how Smith did a first rounder. I think Mathis established himself as a top two round guy and a definite day one selection. Um, he has a chance to really, to really have a special year at College of Charleston and, you know, potentially win the John Olerud award, which is given out to the nation's top two way player. Um, and he was, man, he was, he was just excellent. So my breakout candidate is uh, Cole Mathis. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, he was the other guy that I was going to shout out and bring up. So I'm glad that uh, you mentioned him now real quick. Cause I want to wrap this sucker up in a second. I don't think we need a ton of explanation, but who is your sleeper for the 2024 draft that you saw this summer that we haven't mentioned yet? Oof, that's a good question. I'd say sleeper. I, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't even. Oh, sleeper. I'd say Will Turner from Brewster because I was gonna say sleeper is a guy that you know not many people know because I would have probably said Jonathan Vastine or Derek yeah, Bender, right. but everyone knows who those guys are. I'd say Will Turner from Brewster from South Alabama. Um, super athletic, super athletic left-handed hitter, six one one ninety. Um, kind of a data darling, um, to 295 this summer, more walks than strikeouts, plus arm and center, super athletic. We're, I think that he's going to stick in center. Um, he's got an above average arm, great approach of the plate, uh, good barrel sense. I think that, um, 
he might work his way into the top hundred overall picks. No, yeah, that's a uh, that's a really good one. I uh, I like that one uh, quite a bit. I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty good call. Um, the guy that I was going to uh, shout out here is outfielder from Oklahoma State, Zach Erhard. Um, had a big hit last night, though I know that Hyannis couldn't end up uh, pulling that game out, but walked as much as he struck out this year on the Cape. Um, there's some power there as well. No, I mean, it's not huge power, but I think there's some, I just think just, you know, high level hit, hit tool guy, play all three outfield positions. Um, you know, maybe not a top three round, four round guy, something like that. But, um, I do think in, an interesting player, um, and I know he's, he's played a little two ways as well. Um, but primarily obviously he's, he's a hitter. So, um, interested to uh to see where he you know sort of ends up going but um yeah i i was gonna throw out uh Erhard there just because i think he is uh sort of an underrated name that maybe we're talking about good players in the cape we don't bring him up so much but he had a really good summer you know uh hit like i said 297 and uh struck out you know as much as he walked so um pretty good numbers there and i think most impressively about Erhard is he didn't record his first hit of the summer, which was a bunt single um, until June 30th against Bourne. He started the summer, I think it was 0 for 25, 0 for 24. Um, and oftentimes, you know, baseball's a, I mean, anyone listening knows it is an extremely, extremely difficult game. Um, and oftentimes it'll kind of eat guys up. And instead of either going home or letting it ruin and carry over into his whole summer. Um, he, I mean, he just kind of, he was able to flush all those bad performances. It started funny enough, as I mentioned with the bun against Bourne, and then um, he just strung together hits and actually ended up um, being one of the Harbor Hawks, more reliable bats down the stretch. Yeah. And, um, you know, finishing it among the league leaders and in, in hitting, and he's a quick twitch guy. Uh, pretty physical build. And as you mentioned, the approach is the approach got better through the summer. Um, mm -hmm. Some struggle with spin, but um, I, I think it's an advanced one plus runner 11 stolen bases and um, really good baseball sense, I think is what, um, what blew me away most with Eric yeah. He's a really smart player. Um, and, you know, he makes his, he kind of had his fingerprints all over the box score. Um night in and night out for Hyannis really starting in uh, honestly at the end of June. Um, he was, yeah. he was a part of every single game uh, made his mark, whether it be in center field um, or at the plate where he turned into a real weapon. So I think that he's an intriguing guy. Um, and he had a, he had a freshman all American season in 2022 for the Cowboys yep. um, and was going to play for Hyannis in 2022. Um, but he got a little dinged up at the end of the season. And then this year, was kind of still dinged up a little, didn't have a, an outstanding year for Oklahoma state. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to anchor that cowboy lineup. I think all of 2024 and has, I think top five, top five or so round upside. Yeah. And he, uh, over the last 30 days, so we kind of eliminate out that bad streak that he had, he had 406, 476, 478, um, over his last 83 plate appearances. That was the fourth or fifth best batting average um, and on base percentage uh, in the Cape Cod league over that period in time and was uh, 28 for his last 69 with 16 runs scored 15 RBIs 
and uh, 11 walks to 10 strikeouts. So it's and eight, and eight steals. So it just kind of shows you, as you said, kind of had his fingers all over that box score while playing a valuable defensive position. So an interesting player for sure. But there we go, Peter. Um, we got the finals coming up over this weekend. And uh, we'll start rolling out some lists in the coming weeks. So exciting stuff. I want to thank you for uh, listening to us throughout the summer and tuning in. We'll try to do these sporadically throughout the offseason. But I think we probably have another two or three episodes left as we review some of the top performances from the summer. Should we, uh, I, before we log off or sign off, should we predict the, should we predict the finals? Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Who are, uh, who are you going with uh, in the final? I'll keep it brief. I've got Orleans in three. All right. I'm going to go with Bourne in three. So I like it. We'll go with opposites there. I'm going to keep it true to the, uh, to the West division, <laughs> which I, I like have covered. It. So much all season. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Bourne. Um, but man, this could be anybody's game and uh exciting to see what happens, you know. Not really pulling for anybody. We stay objective. But <laughs> for, Jeff, for Peter, this has been the Baseball America Cape Cod Pod. Thanks for tuning in.